Howdy everyone, and this is In The Can. My name is Parker, I'm uh, your host, and my co-host with me is... Sarah Downing. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to party. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Alright, and today we're going to be talking about a very iconic film, Garden State. Yeah. Girl, inform me. (laughs) Girl, there's... There's so much to say about this film. Oh, yeah. Also, I feel like we are recording this episode at a really good moment because Uh two things personally happened in my life in the last weekend. One of them is that I saw the Shins in concert here in Flagstaff, Uh which they have two songs very iconically on the soundtrack. Yes. The second is thinking about the Garden State is New Jersey and um, Teresa Giudice... Sorry. Teresa Giudice <laughs> from The Real Housewives of New Jersey got married this weekend. And I have just been deep in the internet drama of the wedding. Wow. So, I, I, I was going to say I agree, uh, only because for two very different reasons. <laughs> um, minor bummer. I flew back home and visited family. Uh, and, then, and I also lost my beautiful toki of 11 years so for me i was like coming from a place of grief and like coming home which i feel like is a big theme in garden state but i have to say new jersey trumps it (laughs) you know i just uh, i think that you more personally related to this film i think um i think you probably have a lot more compassion and empathy for maybe the filmmakers i will say i do Okay, yes, which I'm, I am here for, so I want to hear what you got to say. And it's still, I mean... But before we, before we start the Zach Braff takedown, why don't you hit us with some movie facts? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So this movie came out in 2004. Um, I would say Natalie Portman became one of the Manic Pixie dream girls because of this movie. Not... She was doing a lot of acting. I'm not saying this movie sprang her career or anything. I'm just saying she became an archetype. This character became an mm-hmm. archetype, um, which yeah. we'll get more into later. But uh, this film was the soundtrack, the cool girl soundtrack, in my opinion. Like, you you were cool if you knew about this movie and if you were listening to this soundtrack. And it just, like, you know... it. it it was iconic. It was something. Going back and rewatching it, very self-indulgent. Don't get me wrong. But at the time, it was like, oh, it's so deep. I love this. Embrace the void. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's kind of interesting rewatching it because I'm not sure if Zach Braff counts as a millennial. <laughs> um I think he's aged out of that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I think he dates a lot of millennials. I think that I think he might have Gen- that perspective. <laughs> perhaps a few Gen Z. Ah, <laughs> we're gonna get there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I do feel like it was a very formative film for a lot of 
millennials. I feel like if you went on the like millennial indie music mm -hmm. hipster, if you were wearing a carabiner on your pants cardigan in, in 2010, mm -hmm. you would watch Garden State and you knew the soundtrack. Yep. If you were riding a fixie, <laughs> had a mustache, or shopped at an American Apparel, <laughs> am I turning into Jeff Foxworthy? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. might have watched Garden State. <laughs> <laughs> this movie did come out, you know, uh, 2004, like I was saying. It was rated R. I mean, it, it kind of set a tone for a lot of other indie movies that came out. I Heart Huckabees, Chum Scrub. There's a lot of stuff that came out around that time, I feel like. 500 Days of Summer wasn't too far behind that either, was it? I feel like that came out in... Maybe 2009 or 2010. Yeah, okay, maybe I'm down the road. Um, 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Does have some hamster death. Um... But no uh, hamsters were harmed in the making no of it. No hamsters were harmed in the making of it. It's just, Jelly is just alluded to. That's yeah. the name of the hamster. Which, to be honest, as someone who's lost someone dear, she doesn't really react. I was thinking about that today when I was rewatching it. She really just does not react. When her mom tells her about Jelly in front of Zach Braff, she's like, oh, no. And then she's like, would you like to see my house? I think... Like the and then way, later she reacts when they're burying Jelly, but... I feel like the, what I kind of gra like gleaned from that was that like she's lost many a hamster, right? Like yeah, yeah, hamster. yeah. There's a so graveyard. Like, There's the, a pet cemetery. So the death is very mundane for her. Yeah. Because like she's like, oh... She's not untouched by death. Yeah, she's just like, oh, Jelly died. Also... I mean, I don't mean to sound like a, a total, like, hamster-hating bitch, but, like... Are you going to alienate the hamster community? <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, because you recently <clears throat> lost, like, a cat that you had for 11 years. Like, yeah. I think hamsters don't live that long. So, like, yeah. I kind of feel like if you're an adult getting a hamster, like, you know what you're signing up for. I Maybe that's true. It's a short-term short lease on life. I don't know. Maybe I'm a cold-hearted bitch, so... I don't... I think I mean, there's going to be a lot of hamster folks writing in. Like, I mean, it's still sad. Like, it's still it like any sad. loss of life is always sad. But I'm just like, I just feel like I would have reacted more instead of being like, "You want to see my bedroom?" Yeah, I can see that. But I, I don't know. I don't know because you are right. She's not untouched by and that's by a, that kind of thing. When you go out to the pet cemetery, she's like, a lot of these are fish, but yeah, we've just had a lot of pets. I guess I just also like. I've never been a hamster girl. I've never been a gerbil girl. I've never been a guinea pig girl. I've never had, had that gerbils. type of pet. So I'm just like making an assumption about what that experience is like. <laughs> <laughs> I've only had okay. pets like cats. Okay. Wow. 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 Bird people are going to call in. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I'll take them. I'll take them. I don't know. Whatever. To each their own. If you like a bird. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, what should we just start? Just don't have a fucking monkey <laughs> in a cage. Also, <laughs> you haven't seen Nope yet? No, I'm, I'm going to go soon. Listeners out there, if you've seen Nope, the new Jordan Peele movie this summer, you're with us on the No Monkeys in Cages, right? Oh my god. So excited to see that for that reason. Okay. Um, do you have any other movie facts you want to talk about? Mm, 
didn't get really too into it this time uh, just because, I don't know, I feel like this is one of those movies where, so this was Zach Braff's directorial debut. Um, he acts and directs in it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. Uh, I think that there are really good shots in this movie. He's very clearly influenced by Hal Ashby, who did Harold and Maude for reference. Um, you know, some some kind of Stanley Kubrick shots even in there that are great. The characters are interesting. <clears throat> But, I don't know, it's, it's just a really good mixed tape, like you had said before. It's yeah. just a really good mixed tape to kind of a self-indulgent movie. Well, that's like probably the, the big movie fact, is that Zach Braff won a Grammy <coughs> for Excuse this me. soundtrack. because he In 2005, right? Yeah, yeah, it would have been the next year yeah, at yeah, the yeah. Grammys. But, uh, so he, Zach Braff himself, won the Grammy for... Yeah, his iPod shuffle. Yeah, for yeah. for a playlist that he made essentially, yeah. which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. The I mean, I do think it has really interesting shots and like I think maybe I'm bitter and aged because when I see shots like that and and I understand at the time that they were, you know, when it came out, that they were different and interesting. But I think watching it with, like, older eyes uh-huh. now and having experienced the past, you know, almost, you know, 15, 20 years, however as long as it's been since the movie came out, and, like, seen and known so many self-indulgent artsy dudes. Like, I yeah. work in the arts. Like, I know so many fucking artists, which, like, I love artists, but there's also, like, the dude artists, and you know what I'm talking about. He's a very specific okay. archetype. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, so it's a little eye-rolly for me, to be yeah. honest. But I think that, like, had that history not existed for me, like, I think some of those shots are great. I love the shot where he's um, getting the medication in the morning and the mirror. Oh, my God. I was going to talk about face. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. A lot of good imagery in it. A lot of good imagery. It's, I say all that to say, if you haven't seen the movie, it's worth watching once. It's worth it. Yeah, it is. I just so happened to have been going through some shit and trying to do this, so I had to watch it four or five times because, I'm going to be honest, I got too high in the middle of it or was just like, fuck you, Zach Braff. Well, um, and, that, and that just has to do with, like, you know, when you watch this at a pivotal time in your life, this movie is so cool and so enlightening. After you watch it as an adult woman, you are so concerned for everyone involved. He is taking so many medications and then just cold turkeys them all of a sudden. The way that they write Natalie Portman's character is so infantilized and so vulnerable and you're so worried about her and there's all these situations that are happening that as an adult, you know better. You know, they have girls that are from high school at that party. They're mm-hmm. doing cocaine off their chest. Mm-mm. That the, that one dude just does drugs and gets high and, like, shoots arrows into the sky. There's, a, there's just, like, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people hurting all at once in different ways. And you're mm-hmm. just like, ooh. Yeah. Well, before we go any further, let's introduce the first song from the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And before we go into that, you do hear an Indian song at the very beginning. That's actually a Hindu prayer. 
to Ganesh, and it's from a Ganesh alarm clock. I figured that out. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that part where the plane is crashing, interesting, fun fact that kind of put a little... I wonder how it was that he came up with that. I don't know. I think I think the idea is supposed to be that's coming through his wall in his tiny, shitty apartment. Oh. Oh. You know? Um, but I, I don't know. I will tell you this. A uh, little fun fact about the movie. Zach Braff did say that 75% of this is based on real life. He did grow up in New Jersey in the Garden State, and he said that this is kind of uh, like a story about the suburbs. So I will say that that is an interesting and thing And they filmed it. it in New Jersey. They filmed it in New Jersey, and it is something that New Jersey is known for because there's all these great shots. Yeah. Uh, so here's the first song on the soundtrack. This is uh, Don't Panic by Coldplay. Sinking like stones, all that we fall for. Homes, places we've grown, all of us are done for. I think another reason why I really fucking hate this film is because Zach Braff is, uh, he's also quoted as being influenced from Woody Allen, and I just don't like Woody Allen films. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, when was the first time you heard this soundtrack? High school. My friend, Caitlin Thompson, had it, and we played it in her car. And drove around on the back roads through the country. I don't remember where we were going. But one time we were listening to it and Jared was in the car with me. And uh, he pulled the emergency brake in the middle of us driving. (laughs) And the car did a donut. It was fun. She was scared as shit. Um, But I vividly remember the shins playing during that. Yeah. I just asked because I feel like. I have a very, like, specific core memory of, like, discovering this soundtrack, and uh-huh. obviously you do as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just yeah. think, like, people who know this soundtrack, who know this... I think more so than know the movie. Yeah. Because um, I had the experience of knowing and loving the soundtrack before <clears throat> I ever saw the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I was... I'm a few years younger than Parker, so I was in middle school. Yeah. And in 2004, I think it would have been in 7th or 8th grade. And wow. <laughs> one of my brother's um, friends, he, my brother was home visiting. My brother's 11 years older than I am. He had a party at the house. 
someone left the soundtrack. I remember because the CD was orange. Yeah. And I was obsessed with orange things at the time. That was a very 2000s thing, too. Yeah. Orange and chrome. Yeah. 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 So, and I just, like, I, I, like, like a little rat, like, found it and then, like, stole it away and took it to my bedroom. And uh, I had a, a blue iPod mini um, that I uploaded oh. it to. That's so funny. <laughs> and I just remember, like, listening to it in, like, middle school and just being, like, like, I was, like, I'm the coolest bitch in the school. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I mean, we felt pretty cool busting that through. I mean, I was a fat, awkward theater nerd, <laughs> but I was the coolest bitch in the um, Yeah. And uh, next we have the Shins, who, by the way, are from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, James Mercer, the the lead singer, is also in uh, Danger Mouse and Broken Bells. If you listen to them, um, this movie actually got them their mainstream their mainstream attention. They didn't they weren't they were doing well, I guess, but this really like put them on the charts. Yeah, um, and this this soundtrack has them on there twice. So this next one is going to be "Caring Is Creepy" by The Shins. I think I'll go home and mull this over for a crown it down my throat. The long last it's crashed, it's colossal mass is broken up into bits in my world. Break the mattress up the floor. Fun fact, um, as I mentioned earlier, I just saw the Shins in concert here in Flagstaff. 
uh, live last Friday, just a couple days ago. So that was super fun. But they played the album that this song is from is called Oh Inverted World. Mm -hmm. And they played, uh, it's the 21st anniversary of that album. Wow. So they played the whole album in its entirety all the way through. Ouch. Um, That hurt my feelings. It's 21st. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we don't even need to go there because I was, like, looking for pictures last night because, like, Indie Sleaze is, like, this whole thing on TikTok. Like, <laughs> and so I was, like, trying Sorry. to find pictures of me in, like, Indie Sleaze era, and I found one for my 21st birthday. And I was like, oh, I should save this so I can post it when it was, like, 10, for when it's, like, been 10 years old, like, on my birthday in a couple years. And then I was like, it's already more than 10 years old. <laughs> I should have posted it this yeah. year on my birthday because I'm 31. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's just, it was just funny that you said that. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah. Um, God, I remember wearing a vest. <laughs> yeah. Talk I about mean, Indie sleeves. Well, it's just funny because right now I have, like, a short, um, I have really short hair and it's pink. And in the picture, I have, like, a purple pixie cut. And oh. I'm just, like, 10 years and back to no hair and fashion color. <laughs> there we go again. <laughs> I'm like working on growing out a baby mullet now though. Oh, so. I love a rat tail. Yeah, Let me I tell you. Like little I love it. If you want, I'll I'll put in an extension with a rat tail, I'll braid it. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um but it was really fun to see the shins because since this is like, carrying as creepy as the first song on that album, mm-hmm. so they just like come out on stage and immediately go into it. It's a good hype song, too. Yeah, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. Good way to rope people in. Um, should we talk a little bit about just, like, generic kind of the plot of the film? Yeah, we could, We should get into that. Um, so the, the, the main plot of this film is that uh, Zach Braff, his mother passes away. He has a very um, complicated relationship with both of his parents. His dad is a psychiatrist and has had him on pills since he was 10 years old, some form of lithium uh, at the very least. I mean, this guy's on Depakote. He's on Prozac. I still feel like I lithium's mean, really intense. Lithium's very intense, and you have to have, like, regular blood work done so that you don't get lithium poisoning because it can build up in your system. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Um, but anyway, his uh, he has an estranged relationship with his parents. His mother passes away. He comes home for the first time after... Um, being away since 16, it turns out, um, to go to his mother's funeral while he's there. He cold turkeys the drugs. He meets a nice girl at the doctor's office who's played by Natalie Portman. Um, she has epilepsy as well as uh, is a pathological liar. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's her character. Um, they meet... Uh, they start this romance, and it's just him kind of waking up. He calls it an awakening when he was interviewed about this movie. He says it's a story about love and suburban awakening or something like that. Something like that. I might be misquoting him. but um, And it's, it's just him with a couple of his friends hanging out, trying to figure stuff out. And his friend kind of takes him on this wild ride just to, to retrieve something. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I need to quit saying it's interesting. Yeah. Because it's irrelevant. But <laughs> I don't know what else more to say about the plot. I hope you edit this out, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to introduce the next song? 
Yeah. This one. And the next song is going to be In the Waiting Line by Zero Seven. Zero Seven is a band comprised of two sound engineers, which I thought was really interesting. So they've just worked on a lot of projects and have a couple of um, albums that they've done themselves, but mostly they've done sound work for other people. Practical Magic, mm-hmm. um, and I talked about uh, that one song being like the sexy party song. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this was like the sexy party song of the soundtrack. Oh yeah, I definitely <laughs> agree with that. Um, and there's a song that's cut into this one too, I think, because isn't this during the party scene? Yeah, there there is a song. Um, I think it's the Hey Little Mama by Showshot All Stars. Is it that one? That doesn't make it on the soundtrack, but that's in the movie. And I think it's in that party scene where it's like going in and out for the spinning the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. That's the party scene where there's two like very obviously underage girls. Yes. Like, how old are these girls? And someone's like, old enough or something like that. Yeah, makes a point to be like, 18, I think. And it's just like, what? Yeah. Beep, beep, honk, honk. Beep, beep, honk, honk. Like, slow your roll. Slow it on down. And yeah. Actually, I do want to talk about this real quick because I was going to – I should have said this earlier when we were talking about the plot. Um, a f- 
and you have this quote, I really should let you do this, but he he said, talking about this movie, that it is about, and he was he was 30 when he made this, was he not? Or was he 25? Uh, let me look it up. Let's look at when, how old he was at the time. I want to say she was she was much younger than him too. So he's forty seven. So he, he was born in nineteen seventy five. He's totally not a millennial. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he was twenty nine when this movie came That's out. That's what I thought. I knew he so was like close to that. He was late twenties. Late twenties. Um. So he he <clears throat> said that I was reading an interview with him about this, and he said that he believes that. Well, at least when he was being interviewed at the time of this movie, he said that he believes that people, humans, go through a physical puberty Mm -hmm. um, in your preteen, teen years, but then you go through a mental puberty in your 20s. Which I think is so interesting, isn't it? Well, yeah. (laughs) Considering he's dating someone who, by his own definition, is mentally prepubescent. (laughs) Just saying. But I could get into the drama. Give him the drama. Let's just get the drama out. Oh, well, this is like drama right now. So Zach Braff is dating Florence Pugh. Pugh? I don't. I mean, you are on the TikTok. You'll know. Okay, so Florence Pugh is starring starring in this movie with Harry Styles that was directed. That's directed by Olivia Wilde. It's coming out later this fall. It's kind of like a Stepford Wives kind of just like dystopian movie. Anyway. Um, so Olivia Wilde was married to Jason Sudeikis. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. They get a divorce. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So Florence Pugh is so Zach Braff is dating Florence <laughs> Pugh. Okay. okay. I'm like trying to make okay. this like coherent. Zach Braff is dating Florence Pugh, who's uh-huh. like 25 years younger than him or something. Okay. She's like in her mid 20s. So by his own definition, mentally prepubescent. Um, I hate that phrase, but like I think it's perfect for the situation. <laughs> There's no other option, but continue. So Zach Braff dating Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Florence Pugh starred in this uh, film with Harry Styles that was directed by Olivia Wilde. Mm-hmm. It's coming out later this fall. It's like in a premiere. People are super hyped about it because people like love Harry Styles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Harry Styles, like his, his, actually his character was supposed to be played by Shia LaBeouf. And got recast because Olivia Wilde thought Shia LaBeouf. She has a no asshole policy when she's filming, and she like kicked him off the project. Oh. Um. Anyway, God, I love that you always have the hot goss. I appreciate. So, it. um, Olivia Wilde married to Jason Sudeikis. They have kids. Well, apparently, allegedly, on the set of the film, Olivia Wilde's getting hot and heavy with Harry Styles. <gasps> She and Jason Sudeikis are divorcing. Who's Jason Sudeikis' best friend? Zach Brown. <gasps> date, who's dating the leading lady of the film. <gasps> so Florence allegedly watched all of this infidel- infidelity happen on set <gasps> with her boyfriend's best friend. She has not promoted the film at all. And it's coming Ooh. out in a few weeks. She's promoting other films that she's in that are co- that's coming out this year. That's uh-huh. coming out after this film. She has been Ooh. completely silent. She's like not giving this film any press, any excitement, no Instagram posts, nothing. We'll see what happens when like press junkets and things start happening. And I think right. it's going to debut at a film festival coming up. We'll see if she attends the premiere. I feel like that's going to be the real telltale sign. Anyway, side note of the drama, the hot goss. Wow. I didn't know any of that. I can't believe you sat on that all day. <laughs> 
I actually didn't even think I was going to bring it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Um, so now that you've got that hot goss to digest, let's listen to the next song on the soundtrack. This is the second song included by The Shins. This is New Slang. say having just seen the shins live mm-hmm. i was kind of disappointed um they did like a really stripped down version of this song in concert really? yeah like not acoustic but like pretty stripped down okay um and i kind of wish it had been like it's full energy oh but yeah. I, mean, I get it i get it it is what it is <laughs> i mean there's really no skin off my teeth you know is that a phrase that is a phrase <laughs> is that a phrase yeah <laughs> That's crazy. I just think that sometimes I, like, make things up in my brain. Like, you know, for years I used to say, like, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Yes, I do know that. And I was like, that's not how you cross a bridge. And you were like, no, it's fine. It's not. (laughs) I just, like, sometimes my brain just. Sometimes you're right, though. Maybe we should burn that bridge when we get to it. (laughs) I just think that. You're not wrong. Sometimes my brain moves too quickly for my mouth and then it just doesn't. Yeah, Gemini problems. (laughs) Real Gemini beefs. Real Gemini beefs. Um, (laughs) It's 
go on to the next song. Um, that's by Colin Hay. This song is called I Just Don't Think I'll Ever Get Over You. I drink good coffee every morning Comes from a place that's far away When I'm done, I feel Without you here, there is less to say. I don't want you thinking I'm unhappy. What is closer? If I lived till I was a hundred and two, I just don't think I'll ever get over you. I'm no longer moved to drink strong whiskey. I shook the hand of time And I knew That if I lived Till I could no longer Climb my stairs I just don't think I'll ever get like a baby to this song uh, if I think about Tokyo and I hear this song it's like pff, it's over for it's me it's over it's over it's just like dynamic sound I'm about to blow your mind on this do you Go know who it. Colin Hay is no no wait hold on can I guess you can guess okay so when I hear Colin Hay I think Colin Hanks but that's not right no 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 um who's Hay who's Hay he's the lead vocalist of Minute Work Men at work. They they sing the song down under. Oh my god! Oh, yes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Can't you hear the thunder? Oh my god! That's Colin Hay. Is that blow your mind? That is that does because like okay, this is very strange. 
I associate this song, I Just Don't Think I'll Get Over You, winter vibes, 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm thinking I'm in a cabin, I'm in the mountains. It's, I'm looking out a it's window. Not, it's maybe it snowed previously, but it's not like pretty snowing today. It's just like bitter cold. Mm-hmm. That's this song for me. Land from the down under. <laughs> now, that's summer. That is a summer jam. That is a summer it's a vibe. song. So it's just funny. Um, not only was he the lead vocalist of uh, Minute Work from Down Under, uh, who played Down Under, um, he was also in Ringo Starr's band, which was like called Ringo Starr's All Star Band. Just, <laughs> I also like. Can I just say I love Ringo Starr because he's you and my mother have that in common. It's just a, <laughs> he's a wild card. He's just like. Everybody else is making an ultimate band. Well, I'll do it, too. (laughs) And just when he was on that train show, and you don't know about this? No. Oh, my God. There used to be a show on PBS, Public Broadcasting. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And, and oh, my God, I cannot think of what it was called, but he played the train conductor. Oh, my gosh. And this train station, and there was a jukebox that had puppets, and they did a whole thing. And it was like a granddad ran the station, and his grandkids would come in and just get into all kinds of hijinks. And he was a little conductor, Ringo Starr. Yeah, he's just a very interesting person to me. And there was also, there used to be this thing, I was like a big hardcore Simpsons fan. There was this weird thing about Marge, she would paint portraits of Ringo Starr when in her creative phase. Oh, funny. Yeah, that was just like always like a, a different subplot. All right, so that was Colin Hay with I Just Don't Think I'll Ever Get Over You. Such a good song. Hold on, I have like... Oh, sorry. Some, I just have like one last thing I want to say. Yeah. Um, just do my little setup again. Yeah. I just feel like if you are going through a breakup and you want to cry... Put yeah. this song on there. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Put this song on there. If you're just feeling in the feels, this is the song or, for you. Or you're in a cabin and it's a cold winter's day. <laughs> Make yourself a cup of coffee and listen to this song. Dude. Unless uh, you have seasonal depression, then maybe don't listen, listen to, to this song. Land from Down Under. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's play Land from Down Under. It's not on the soundtrack, but, but the people deserve to hear it. Yep. Let's After that it. bummer, let's get the... I just want you a comparison in his voice. God, okay. he's got such a good voice. Ready? Go. Land from down under. Let's play the down under. <laughs> Traveling in a fight combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady, she made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said, do you come from a land down under? Where women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover Give me a bit. 
soundtrack is going to be I'm going to introduce it as Sarah's pick me girl song <laughs> um, if you don't know what a pick me girl is dude I was just talking about pick me girls <laughs> the other day like literally two days ago I was talking about that that's, yeah. that's crazy so go ahead pick me girls are just like you know they're like the I'm not like other girls kind of girl yeah and um, anyway so I have blue eyes <laughs> and this song is called blue eyes so when I was like 14, 13, uh-huh. listening to this, I was like, this song's about me. I get it. I get it. So anyway, this is... I always me. think about Green Eyes by Waves for that. I mean... <laughs> uh, so this is Blue Eyes by the Carey Brothers. Not the Carey Brothers, actually. Carey Brothers. It's one guy. You think oh. it's two? It's just one dude. Okay. Um, this is... Blue eye. I, ha- blue I just eyes so happened. The blue eyes is pro. I just blue happened eye. to have a note next to his name that said one guy. Surprised. <laughs> Surprised. <laughs> Surprised. Um, and just worth noting, this song was his big break. Also oh. ending up on this soundtrack. There's about three or four indie people on here that really their career kind of took off after this doing soundtrack work because of these. Because of this movie. So I think that's really interesting. Anyway. Don't 
one yeah so up next we've got a song from remy zero this is fair Life for taking here. 
I didn't write down anything about them. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do the Nick Drake one next. Is there any other, like, little movie fact we can, like, insert in between? Um, this has a star-studded cast, this movie. It really does, actually. It really does. You have a Skarsgård on there. You've got Natalie Portman. You got the person who plays her mom also. I can't think of her name right now, but she she's a good character actor. She's in a lot of Well, things. there's the guy from that um, Bang Show, Big Bang Show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What? Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons plays A Night at Medieval Times. There's some good one-liners. Um, heads up, this movie does not hold up as far as PC. Yeah, no. Not at all. It's definitely of the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can talk about how many times freaking Natalie Portman says the R slur. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and it's so jarring to hear it. Like, Yeah. I mean, you think about it, like, okay, so this movie came out when I was in middle school. Yes, everyone in my middle school was saying that. Like, at that time. I think it's because but, we haven't watched it in, like, 10 years. But we, and we also haven't said that word in, like, 10 years. Like, yeah. it's so, like, jarring to hear someone just say it. And she says it over and over. It's so uncomfortable. I don't know why I said over. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Over. Um, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to do the oh, next song? Oh. Yeah, Nick Drake's next, right? Yeah. Okay. So this next song is going to be One of These Things First by Nick Drake. And I I just want to say a quick thing about this guy that I think is, he is kind of fascinating to me. Um, He reminds me a little bit of someone like Elliot Smith. Mm. One of the reasons why he did not gain popularity in his life is because he didn't want to perform live. He was just like... (laughs) No, I'm not into that. <laughs> there's like, when you read about him, there's just so many instances where he's just like, no, that doesn't sound fun. And he just won't cooperate <laughs> with these other people who are like, I, it needs to be popular. And he's just like, no, thanks. We'll just no, leave thanks. it like it is. Um, and and the reason I think that he reminds me of Elliot Smith is that, and then also he kind of has mysterious circumstances surrounding his death he is definitely a sad boy this is a sad boy jam yeah um he died due to an overdose of antidepressants it's Mm. unclear if it was accidental or on purpose Mm. yeah it was a little sad a little sad um but just a you know a a fun not a fun thing about him i guess (laughs) jesus uh, something about him is he is a musician's musician. Um, there is a reason why I think that his music really strikes with people, and I think it's because there's a tonality to it, and there's something uncompromising about it. And guess who he is cited as influencing? There are several people, and it's worth note looking it up, but our baby girl, Kate Bush. <gasps> Isn't that like I was really endeared to that? Yeah, I was like, "That's great," and I think it's because um, something about Kate Bush that she said in interviews before or whatever was something about emotions being so important. And I, and he is somebody. I feel like his voice is saturated. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, this is Nick Drake. The song is one of these things first. Thank you. 
could have been a sailor, could have been a cook. A real life lover could have been a book. I could have been a signpost, could have been a clock. As simple as a kettle, steady as a rock. Could be here and now. I would be, I should be, but I how? I could have been. But what are these things first? I could have been. chugging through this playlist mm-hmm. soundtrack. I mean, it is basically a playlist. It's, it's let's be real, it's a, a mixtape. <laughs> yeah, mix it's a mixtape. Yeah. Um, a Grammy award-winning mixtape. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the next song is Lebanese Blonde by Thievery Corporation. Fun thing about Thievery Corporation, I saw them at Coachella 2011. <gasps> Erica Badu was banned from playing Coachella and she snuck in and sang with them. And I was on shrooms for the first time. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It kind of was, except I thought if I stopped dancing, my heart would stop. That was an unfortunate portion of it. But it was cool. Um, yeah, they're interesting. Super interesting. Is that the one that sounds... Oh, no, it's Frau Frau that sounds like... Is that Imogene Heap? Frau Frau is Imogene Heap. Okay, so this is Lebanese Blonde by Thievery Corporation. Thank you. 
Up next on the show, uh, we've got a recurring uh, recurring uh, segment here, and this is called um, Six Degrees of Separation from Leonard Cohen. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Did you know that they met in elementary school? I did not know that. Yeah, That's like really in 1953. Cute. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's just like... It's just interesting how they both like kept breaking up, doing solo stuff, come back together, would perform, break up, do solo stuff. I guess that makes sense because when they met them, they were the same height. <laughs> Does, what does that have to do? With it? I don't know. I just think it's funny that they're such different heights. No, yeah, maybe that it, got into it. But if I they met in elementary school, well, it's like Garfunkel's like I'm the tall one. So he has like a like a superiority complex, but then Paul Simon's like the better songwriter. That's so funny. But he's the little one, so. Really. <laughs> but he's the little one. So that's funny. Anyway, uh, so Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Leonard Cohen did a spoken word. Um, tribute to Simon and Garfunkel. Well, it wasn't a tribute, but he, he did a Simon and Garfunkel cover as like a spoken word. Which song did he do? I don't remember. Um, I used to have that. I can probably, if I can Google it right now. I want to say that it was... Oh, look, I already Googled it, so I'd already remembered. <laughs> oh, Sound of Silence, yeah, Sound of course. Sound of Silence, because it was the one that they were actually... That album did very well for them. So here up next, you want to introduce this one? Yep. So the next song is going to be The Only Living Boy in New York by Simon and Garfunkel.
Simon and Garfunkel face. Oh yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I I know to reference Hal Ashby because I had a Harold and Maude face too. You know, like I definitely went through that indie girl. Yeah. What was your favorite? Plastic bag in the air is a beautiful fucking thing. Phase, yeah. You know. Oh yeah. What was your favorite Simon and Garfunkel song? Maybe like not like your all time, but like when you were going through the phase, what was like your favorite song? I do actually really love The Only Living Boy in New York. I think The Sound of Silence is beautiful, but I think that this song really has a sweet sadness to it. Yeah. So I really like it. This reminds me of Driving Around, which also has to do with I was listening to this soundtrack, you know? Yeah. Driving Around. What what do you have as a memory for this one? <laughs> you should ask me what's my favorite Simon Garfunkel. Oh, I'm so sorry. What's your favorite Simon Thank Garfunkel? You. Thank you for asking. <laughs> what what was your favorite? I think I had two favorites. It was Wednesday morning, three AM Oh, that's a good one. I really loved that one. And I also really loved Cecilia. I had Cecilia as my I, I have that on my Spotify now. Yeah, I had Cecilia. it as my ringtone in college and I when I thought that I wanted to birth a child, I thought that I would name the child Cecilia. I love but that then, you just keep referring to them as the child. But then, here's the thing. I got really into Simon Garfunkel. I got really into the song Cecilia. And I was like, when I have a baby, I'm going to name them Cecilia. Mm-hmm. Then, the, my favorite show of all time, Jim and Pam named their baby Cecilia. Oh, that's crazy. So then I, I was like, that. if I ever have a child and name it Cecilia, like everyone's going to be like, you did that because of the office. <laughs> because undeniably, I'm an extreme office fan yeah so like it's not without like it's not like without the it's, not, it's in the realm of possibility but it's also would be so cringy super chuggy i feel like i really got into to simon garfunkel's graceland album too mm-hmm. there was a point where that happened mm-hmm. you know oh yeah calm there was like this one um, <laughs> this one Thanksgiving where I was really into um, You Can Call Me Al. Oh my God, I got super into that song. I, and I was just, it's still one of my favorite jams. You know that song's about Chevy Chase. <laughs> you know you tell me that every time. I tell you that every <laughs> time. I'm just but the like, listeners haven't heard it. The listeners I need to haven't let you heard know. it. They need to know. I love that song. And it's about Chevy Chase being at the Betty Ford Clinic trying to... to um, Rehab. Well, but I yeah. desperately want to go on a Chevy Chase tangent, but I want to finish this story so we can get back to the soundtrack. I'm anyway, <laughs> but you're just taunting me with that Chevy Chase. I just, I'm I just like, hate the guy. Yeah. Um, Ugh, he says that bat face. I, I, can't, even go, I, I hate just it. can't even go down okay. the tangent. Okay. Um, anyway, 
So I was really, this one Thanksgiving, I'm playing it on repeat, like, while I'm in the shower. Uh-huh. I come out of the shower, my brother starts playing it on repeat, like, on, like, his, like, giant speaker in his home. Because we're cleaning the house for Thanksgiving because we have a bunch of family coming over. Uh-huh. It was me, my brother, and my sister-in-law. And I think after, like, the fifth time it played, my sister-in-law was just like, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. Can we listen to anything else? And me and my brother... We're just, like, jamming out, too. Yeah. Anyway. It's a great song. If you haven't heard it, do yourself a favor. Play that song. You can call me out. So here's and the next song on the soundtrack is another great song. This is a cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be Such Great Heights by Iron and Wine. Mm-hmm. Um, here it is. So fun fact about that song, um, they also had the version of Such Great Heights by the Postal Service originally when they were doing trailers that Ah. played. So that was something that was associated with the material, but they ended up going with this cover. I love this cover. It's so good. And the guy guy who, I I can't remember his actual name, but the singer of Iron and Wine, Iron Wine, because it's his project, um, he was... Friends with the brother of the lead singer of Band of Horses, and that's how he got discovered. Is he gave a tape to him, and he gave a tape to a record exec, and they were like, "Oh, this is great!" Wow, 
Yeah, isn't that such a small, weird world? Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, I love this song. I think it's really sweet because they do play it in the movie. They play it when they're, like, spooning after they have Mm -hmm. sex for the first time. And, I mean, yeah, it's a very romantic spooning after sex kind of song. It is. It's a good song. I think you play the Postal Service during the fucking. Yeah. Then you play this one during the spooning after the fucking. (laughs) That's the recipe? I think so. I think, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Why not? Maybe we cut that out. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Just put that on Sarah's dirty cutting room floor next to the Uh, Eiffel Tower with the proclaimer. Yeah. There's just a whole bit of just dirty. I don't really know if I want to fuck again Ben Gibbard's voice, though. I don't. I think I would get distracted. And also, like, it, you get it, there's a rhythm issue that happens when you're doing stuff I mean, they're that going slow. very, it'd be very fast-paced. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It's like, we can't. Oh, <laughs> Cutting room floor. Uh, next song. Maybe if we ever get, like, a Patreon, we oh can Oh, my God, yes. The, 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 the dirty bits? Sarah's, the dirty bits. Sarah's dirty cutting room floor. Yeah. Okay. My coworkers can't listen to this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Up next, we've got. Oh. We have Frau Frau, which. Frau Frau. Frau Frau. I think I'm saying it right. I don't know. But Imogene Heap is a part of this, um, as well as Guy Sugsworth. I think I'm saying his name wrong also. I hope you're saying it right. I really hope so, too. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Guy. Anyway, they worked together um, because he'd heard a tape of her voice and they made this project, Frau Frau.
of a little tiny fun fact about them is that they worked on a Britney Spears song that got cut from an <gasps> album. And not only did they work on it, but so did Robin. And you know, I have such strong feelings about them. Anyway, it got released on a Japanese version <gasps> of a Britney Spears CD. So Which now album? I am on the lookout to find this very rare song. And if I can find it, I'm going to get it played for you. Oh, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll figure out what album it's on just in case our listeners want to also search. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, um, with Frau Frau, um, that sums up all of the songs that are on, that are on the soundtrack that play during the main film. Mm-hmm. Um, because the next song on the soundtrack is Winding Road by Bonnie Somerville, and this plays during the credits. Dude. Do you know who Bonnie Somerville is? No. She's also an actor. Who is she? She's been in a ton of stuff. Um, Wait, is it like, does she go by Bonnie Somerville as an actress? Yeah, she was on the OC. Wait, what? Who did she play on the OC? I do not recognize her. Look up her wiki. Um, More importantly, she was on a WB soap opera series. That was called Gross Point. That was based on real actors. And I have not seen it. And it sounds like a fever dream. And I very much want to find it and watch it. So I'm going to find some. What the? Who did she play in the OC? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, she's like someone's mom, I think. Yeah. Well, that's just funny. I was a big fan of the. I wasn't. The OC was like one of the first shows I ever binge watched because a friend of mine was upset in high school was obsessed with the OC, and she had all the DVDs on mm-hmm. discs. Of course, she had DVDs on discs. Of she course. had the whole series on DVD, so I would borrow it. Oh, did she date Coop? Yes, maybe that's what it was. She dated Marissa Cooper's dad. So, <laughs> anyway. Uh, In the Zone is uh, the album, the Britney Spears album. Oh, that so it, the that one it that didn't has get prerogative cu- on it. I'm not sure, but uh, the CD single of Someday I Will Understand and the UK one have it. And um, it's on her reality TV show, apparently. It's on like the DVD release or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah, so track to find anyway well here's a fun connection so bonnie somerville whose song plays during the credits who which i think is a really like kind of weirdly placed song it, it feels like i thought so too I it always, feels like one that um seemed important to him but not to the film yeah and it seems weird with the rest of the songs uh-huh. like the rest of the songs have this kind of like indie vibe even if it's like simon and garfunkel but it's like, right 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 you know like vintage yeah um but I, Vintage. <laughs> but I um I thought this song was was weirdly placed. Yeah. But so she Bonnie Somerville's the actress was on the OC, which famously I think made Imogene Heap about as famous as she was gonna get. I I mean yes, and also In, her musical career. Well, and she went on to do some other stuff. Yeah, but this scene. But yeah, Marissa, she was definitely an indie dream girl. Spoiler alert: Marissa Cooper dies. Um. I'm sorry, it's been 20 years. <laughs> I'm allowed to say it. It's been 20 years. And then they but then they spoofed it on SNL. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. Song. I remember um, that. So anyway, fun little connection. Will the rain keeps on coming down? It feels like a flood in my head. And that road keeps on calling me, screaming to everything, lying ahead. And it's a winding road. I've been walking for a long time, I still don't know where it goes. And it's a, a long way home. I've been searching for a long time. Still have hope. I'm gonna find my way home. I can see a little house on top of the hills, and I can smell the That is the Garden State soundtrack. Another OC fact, really quick. Orange Sky by Alexi Murdoch is on oh, there. Oh, yeah. But it couldn't be included on the soundtrack because the OC owned rights to the song. Yeah, because it's on the OC which soundtracks, which I've listened yeah. to many, many times. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Another thing that didn't make it on there was Whitey by Everlast. Um, there's a point where the ant sings once, twice, three times a lady. But that's the majority of the music that was there. Should we talk about... Um, well, I do have one more fun fact for you. Hit me. The desert. Hit me like I'm a child and you're Zach Braff. Oh, my God. <laughs> you cannot wait to bring that up. Um, the Desert Storm trading cards. I just... When I was watching it, I was like, man, I wonder how much they're worth now. Because, you know, he's like, that one's worth three bucks. I found a set worth $19 for the complete 88 <laughs> cards on eBay. Oh. So I think that won't work out for him is all. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Um, are you ready for it? Take me down. Okay. So... When I was watching this, um, I watched it with my partner, Wes, and after the film ended, Wes was like, oh, you remember when Zach Braff was on Punked? And I was like, vaguely. And he was like, 
yeah, I don't remember much. I just remember thinking he was an asshole. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me deep dive into that rat hole. <laughs> um, so Zach Braff, he's on Punked. If you're not familiar, Punked was a show on MTV led by Ashton Kutcher where he would prank his prank or punk his celebrity friends. So the setup for Zach Braff is he has this fucking nice car. It's like a Lamborghini or a Porsche or something rich people drive. And he and his his best friend is the guy he was on Scrubs with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he the guy he's doing a podcast with him right now. Yeah. So and they were just in a Super Bowl <clears throat> commercial together. Also. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he's in on it with Ashton. So he's like, they they park his car at this like liquor store mm-hmm. in the parking lot, and then they go while they're walking into the store. There's like a bunch of children, like ten years old, who are like, "Hey, man, can you buy me some beer?" And, of course, Zach Braff's like, no, I'm not going to buy you beer. You're, like, 10 years old. And they're like, okay. So then he goes in. While he's in, they put, like, fake spray paint all over his car, his mm-hmm. really expensive car. And so when he comes out, he sees all these children had been spray painting his car. And Zach Braff pops off. Like, he is so mad. He's, like, leveling with the child. He's, like, oh crouching down. Just berating the child, getting in, in his, his face. face. Like, right in the eyes. Gross. Yeah. He's, like... He's like a 10-year-old kid, and he was just, like, going in on him. Anyway, so that happened. That aired. Then, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years later, Zach Braff is doing an Ask Me Anything, an AMA on Reddit, and I actually uh-huh. read through a lot of it. Um, but someone on Reddit asked him, they said, like, when you got punked, um, did you punch the kid for painting your car? Because I'm pretty good friends with him, and when he tells the story, he says you were uh, very reasonably pissed. So I guess the Oscar is friends with the actor or whatever. Uh-huh. So this was a bit that was cut from the episode of oh, Zach Braff shit. physically punching the child. So Zach Braff says, I punched him in the stomach. Who amongst oh, you wouldn't have? Oh, my God. They edited it out, though. You're not allowed to punch little kids on MTV. Lame. That was his quote. <laughs> grody. Yeah. Yeah. Just grody. Anyway. And then my punch a ten year old in the stomach. Do you know? Here's the unfortunate part of that. Like when I think of that, I can over only a car. over a car. I can only imagine him taking the shirt and putting it over the kid's face first and like underhand <laughs> punching him because like it's got to be a real Nelson oh. Muntz moment. You know also, what I mean? The car runs. It's yeah. not like they took baseball bats and like beat up the car. Like even if, if it they was did, like, me, like. I don't know. You have so much money. Yeah. Side note, this entire film, the Garden State film, was all financed by one millionaire, like, real estate mogul who wanted to get into films and just wrote a check for 2.5 mil. Those people To Zach Braff and was just like, here you go, bud. Those people are out there. I know. That's crazy to me. It's insane. So my other little part two of the Zach Braff takedown. So you're right. He was really rich. He was on Scrubs for like 10 years. And it was syndicated. Yeah. At this point. But he was also making more than $3 million a year while on Scrubs. He was one of the highest paid TV actors. Wow. Um, So he has all the success with Garden State. He's doing Scrubs. Then in like 2014 or something like that, he crowdsourced a movie called I Wish I Was Here. Which also had songs by the Shins on it. <laughs> it's considered a sequel to this movie. So if you are looking for something else to have a sad rom-com, check out Wish I Was Here, which I have not watched yet. I plan to watch it out of pure curiosity. I might watch it out of here. I might do a hate watch. Yeah. Because, and the reason I hate watch it is because 
Number one, he's making $3 million a year, but he still crowdsources, crowdsources the film. Yeah. And the indie community at that time was real fucking to do and shit like that. So it feels a little bit Well, and he did predatory. it on... The thing that's fucked up is he did it on Kickstarter, and then he, like, didn't follow through on a lot of the things that he said he was going to do for the people who oh, bought yeah, the he film. Oh, yeah, he didn't take him to the premiere, right? Or he didn't give him premiere yeah, access or like, whatever. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, so the the AMA that I was reading through was, like, kind of, I think he did it in promotion for this movie, and there's people asking him, and he was like, yeah, we messed up, email this person, whatever. But I'm just like, why are you crowdsourcing a movie... I don't know. It just was like it really, really left um, a bad taste in my mouth. In my notes, I wrote like made more than three million dollars a year to crowdsource a mediocre movie, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is basically Garden State. The first song is from the Shins on that soundtrack. And yeah. He also did the soundtrack. Anyway, so that's what I've got on my Zach Braff takedown. I just like he just like he puts a very bad feeling like taste in my mouth as a person for whatever reason. And I think it's because I'm very attracted to him. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because I thought that too. Um, I thought that when I was that age, this was such a good movie and it was everything I liked. And I wanted to be Natalie Portman and I, which is like fucking insane to think now. But everything about it was so great, right? And then when you watch it as an adult, you're like, I fucking know that dude, and I fucking hate him. Yeah. And that, I think, is really telling. Yeah, it's the same feeling I get watching Adam Driver on Girls. Oh, my God. You know, that's funny. I think about uh, 500 Days of Summer, which is one movie that we're going to cover. Watched that at that age. Did not get the concept of the film. Watched it at an adult age. Was like, Jesus Christ. How did I miss the singing? Yeah. The like, whole choreographed the whole, musical like, scene? That I had just... I don't... <laughs> yeah. Wild. Yeah. Wild. In the same boat yeah. going under the burned bridge. Yeah. So this is definitely... If if you are somebody who is now entering your 30s or is in your... Or well into your 30s. And you watched this movie at a pivotal time. I highly recommend going back and rewatching it with aged, bitter eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and and just reflecting on it because it is a great soundtrack. There are some good one-liners in there. There's some aesthetic shots. There's some Very great Tumblr. aesthetic shots. Um, it definitely launched a period of film. I would say. I uh, would say that. My summation is Zach Braff is a mediocre person who made an okay movie with an amazing mixtape. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair summarization. How yeah. many flushes do you give it? Um, I have a pretty high tolerance for flushes, to be fair. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's keep that in mind as someone who has collected some very odd films. Um, I would say 3.5 out of 5 flushes because it's definitely watchable. You know, there are some good one-liners. You're just kind of fucking not into anybody in the film. Yeah, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. I would say, yeah, like 3 flushes. Yeah. I'm like pretty pretty much there with you. Yeah. Definitely, you know, as you're, if you're an older person, give it a rewatch because... It's it's just interesting to see where how you felt at that time and where you feel now, I think. Yes. Yeah. Do you have anything else for the outro? 
And... Maybe we should play the Hindu prayer as the outro. <laughs> yeah. Let's leave on a good note. Um, do I have anything for the outro? Meh. God bless New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Fuck Zach Braff. Yeah. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, it's it's just a sad boy movie. Sad boy movie. Sad, sad boy, boy vibes. movie. Sad boy vibes. It's Garden State. It's Garden State. So let go. Jump in. Call you daddy, and daddy when you call.